Welcome. It is the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I am Jared Jessalitis, and joining me via military satellite is uh, Jeff Julik here, who is uh, hunkered down, I believe, somewhere in NORAD. I don't know, in the side of a mountain. Uh, a secret volcano layer, whatever the heck he's got going. I don't. He don't even it's, tell it's me. The, yeah, Richie Rich Mountain. So that's that's where I'm at. So. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. I didn't realize you had. I, look, I know you were able to. Uh, I, I know you got a pass for the uh, what is it? The R lot there, but I didn't realize that uh, you had it just like that these days. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> hey, look. Great game on Wednesday night, right? Great game. They they it was a survive and advance game against Florida State. I know a lot of fans will think that uh, you should whoop up on a team that's one and seven, a Florida State team that has not shown any real promise there. You let them hang around a little bit too much, which I'll agree with to a degree. But Jeff, when you, I think you take in the totality of what they've been through over the last six days, or you know, over that six days. Um, I think you're just you're excited to get out of there with a double digit win. Let's just leave it at that. Oh yeah, absolutely, Jared. And you bring up such a good point because you know we were all really kind of bummed out that we ended up playing Florida State in this uh, ACC challenge. But after what the Boilermakers accomplished over the weekend, uh, you know that became a blessing in disguise. And you know for the team to go down there and you know not arrive till what three o'clock in the morning uh, Wednesday morning and then. You know, after arriving at 5 a.m. back from Portland on Monday, they're totally exhausted. And uh, you saw what this team was made of because they battled and battled, and uh, they got Florida State's best game, who's a a talented team who has a lot of offensive shortcomings, but they're still a hard-nosed team. And, and they played a different defense that, than the Boilers had seen. And for the Boilers to be able to battle through that and, and have Zach Eady to steady the ship with his solid performance, and then all of a sudden you turn it over to Braden Smith, who – just dominates that stretch in the second half of getting the ball to Caleb first and those kind of players just speaks volume about what Matt Painter has in this basketball team. A big team, too. People don't realize, probably because of the camera angle, that's the fourth tallest team, I believe, in in the NCAA. Um, I, I hated that. I hated everything about this game, Jim, especially the camera angle. Right out the gate, I'm like, you can't even tell you got two seven four monsters playing up against each other there in the paint. You can't even fully take advantage of it. They zoomed out so far. It's a terrible angle. I hate everything about that game last uh, last uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, I thought I was watching the game from a mountain there. I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, some of these camera angles that we get from ESPN are just so frustrating because hey, it, that's Florida State. That's where they put the camera deck. It is what it is. But I felt like yeah. they could have zoomed in a little bit more. I don't need to see the first three rows uh, of the uh, sidelines on the near side here. <laughs> I agree. It's pretty rough, but you now Purdue goes in again. I, I thought tired legs. I, I think that's why you saw some poor three point shooting for that one. Uh, would they? They were under thirty percent, I think, for three point shooting. Were they five of eighteen? Uh, wasn't yeah, exactly. Fair. Yeah, it wasn't exactly great. But um, you take again. Let's take it in. Let's pay attention here, okay? They went out to the Western Time Zone. They played late on Thursday. They played what one o'clock in the morning local time on Friday. Had Saturday off. Played Sunday late afternoon and got back extremely late uh, Monday morning onto campus, then you're trying to acclimate yourself, get some rest. What time did you, you sent me the flight aware thing? What the time they get into Tallahassee on uh, Wednesday morning, one thirty in the morning? I mean, yeah, like it was like one forty-five, and then they had the trip to the uh, hotel. So, you know, they obviously didn't get to the hotel until well, uh, close to two thirty or three, three in the morning. So, 
So you, know, you, I think Jeff's right. Blessing in disguise that you got this Florida State team that hasn't figured it out yet because um, that's just that that's tough sledding. I mean, they are twenty somethings, yes, but uh, you're you're really throwing a lot at your body when you're going across time zones like that and then coming back and still expecting and not even giving yourself a really an adequate amount of time to readjust to the Eastern time zone too. So uh, when you see that lethargic start come out there, it didn't surprise me, but I just thought. I thought uh, Florida State was bad enough uh, as a team that Purdue was going to be able to overcome and, and still cover the 15. Uh, and they were knocking on the door there for a minute, just Florida State knocked down some shots at the end. Yeah, they were. You know, and it, uh, you know, it just tells you, you know, you've got some players on this team who just refuses to lose. And I think it starts with Braden Smith. I mean, he, you know, he, the plays he makes is just incredible. And, you know, Fletcher Lawyer, the, the plays he's been doing. And this was an interesting game for Fletcher because uh, I think this was maybe the first game that he was exposed a little bit on the defensive side because of how athletic some of the guards were for Florida State. And yet he still had a fantastic game. And, you know, this team is just is just completely full of players who want to win. And, boy, it's kind of interesting to see what Coach Painter's been doing with Braden Smith. He's starting to run plays for him now. And, you know, talk about a freshman point guard. He's letting him operate. And some of those drives he had to the basket that he made the uh, kiss off of the, uh, off the glass and in. And then several, several of his passes that, uh, when the seven foot four guy came over to try to block them, he found a wide open Zach Eady for, uh, for the dunk. So, you know, just a, just a great team effort by this young team. And, uh, I think so far they've exceeded all of our expectations. Yeah. And, you know, when you take a little bit of a deeper dive into this thing, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I mean, they still shot 46%. They still, they still held Westford or not Westford, Florida State to, uh, 37% shooting, which is good there. Um, I know the three point shooting wasn't tremendous, but you out rebounded 46 to 31. Florida State's a team also that usually averages uh, almost like 17 turnovers a game, Jeff. They only had eight in that one, so you feel like there's some extra possessions there. They cleaned up, and uh, you still put up uh, with 79 points. Uh, I still think this is a, a solid effort despite things. Zach Eady looked very dominant uh, with his 25 points and, uh, what was it, nine rebounds, eight rebounds that he had. I mean, I think once you take a little you, – you go back and you look at everything – I think you realize that, okay, they were a little bit better off than you realized watching the game. Yeah, you know, Jared, it was a quiet 79 points. You know, you wouldn't think they had got to 79 points the way they were struggling. And, uh, you know, and still the defense I thought was very solid, especially the second half. And, you know, it's so refreshing because last year's basketball team just couldn't seem to get any stops. And, uh, you know, you kind of get the impression that this basketball team can get some stops. And I think that's what allowed them to, uh, take that one or two point game and take it out to 11 and 12 points where, uh, you know, you felt a little bit more comfortable as a Purdue fan at that point. And they made the adjustments at halftime too. You know, you go from shooting 39% to 53%. Um, that's always encouraging. I just, I feel like there are completely reasonable explanations for what we saw in the first half of that uh, basketball game. And uh, it's just one of those where I'm not trying to overthink that matchup. Uh, I'm just saying, listen, you came in, you were extremely tired, you're coming off a, a really big emotional high, uh, you went on the road, you won by double digits, get back on the plane, come back up here, rest and reset. I, I just don't think that you need to nitpick at this one too much or overthink it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key is was getting the win, and now, as you say, this team can come back and uh, think about going to class and uh, 
doing those things and get a day or two off and then get ready for the uh, Big Ten season, which opens up uh, Sunday against a uh, pretty bad Minnesota basketball team. I mean, there are some things that I guess you could a little bit nitpick at. The, uh, uh, the, the Newman technical foul was yeah. a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, that, that – um, that one official just seemed to not seem right with him that entire night. He made a couple of calls. I think he was the same one that made the flop call too, wasn't he? On, yeah, on he Brain was, Smith. And shout out to ESPN. Really yeah, and shout out to ESPN for giving us that uh, replay too, that uh, from multiple angles, so that we could all make a decision <laughs> on whether or not what what that was. It just seemed, I don't know, just that the whole game just seemed awkward from from the jump. To be honest with you, and I'm glad it's over. Well, I think uh, when it comes to ESPN coverage, you saw what happens when there's multiple, multiple games going on, and they need a uh, crew to do all those different games. And uh, I just don't think they have the bench to be able to, to cover as many uh, basketball games that they're asked to do. <laughs> don't have the rotation. It's a, it's only like That's a six-man right. rotation. Don't have that. I'm not. Com- I'm not complaining. I'm just like I just feel from from the jump there, from watching the camera angle to some of the calls and the way that game flowed and. And Purdue's energy level the whole the whole night just felt all as as Alan Carpenter likes to say caddy wampus to me. Um, it just it, nothing felt right in that game except for like as somebody pointed out on Twitter except for the final score felt right. Exactly, it's That's a double digit win. But like I said, you know sometimes things don't need any explanation. You just win, you move on, and you don't really think too much about this. Like Jeff said, you've got the Golden Gophers coming in on Sunday uh, for your first taste of Big Ten action and. And uh, just get prepared for that one. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And uh, we have more here on the Boiler Basketball Show coming up next on 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Hammer. Not an endorsement. Welcome back to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Uh, we're off to the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. And uh, we've got a good friend, Alan Carpet from GoldenBlack.com, is on with us here tremendous website for everything you need to know for Purdue sports, uh, including this week's Big Ten Championship game. You know, Tom Deanhart's doing a great job of having that covered. Brian Newbert's doing a great job with basketball. Alan, they all put great stuff together, too, so make sure you're checking out that website. Get yourself a subscription. Alan, I love the site. I know it had to have been busy this last weekend with just an all-time great Purdue weekend with uh, you know basketball winning that PK-85 with football uh, winning going to the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, Katie Gerald's and company won two out of three down in Cancun. Uh, Dave Shondell is off to the NCAAs again. I mean, just just a great week for Purdue sports fans. Yeah, hard to, hard to beat that, certainly. And, and unprecedented, uh, certainly with basketball, the way it went. Um, yeah. You know, that's the, that's the fun thing. You, get, you don't get moments like this all the time. That's why it's, uh, that's why it's fun. And, and Purdue has come through. Uh, on both football, basketball, and the teams you made. And certainly Dave Shondell and Katie Gerald's teams are, are going to be exciting, too, as time rolls on. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm shocked what I saw in the PK-85, Alan. I, I thought, and we talked about this uh, on Wednesday last week, you know, you go out there, you should be, you, we expect you to beat West Virginia, we expect you to be competitive against Gonzaga, whatever happens, happens, and if by some grace of God you got to Duke, uh, you were almost playing with house money. Uh, we set the bar drastically low for that in retrospect because not only did they go out there and they win these games, Alan, uh, they steamrolled two top eight teams in three days. I, I, I was at a loss for words. I, I was happy to be completely wrong about that, but at a loss for words of just what they were able to do, uh, it exceeded my wildest expectations. I don't know about you. 
Yeah, it, no, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. I mean, when you think about the fact that uh, the point spreads uh, and the fact that Purdue was the only team since uh, UCLA in 1968, uh, which I do remember, uh, the Bruins uh, winning in the, in the Final Four to beat two top ten teams in consecutive games by 18 points or more, uh, absolutely stunning. And two iconic programs. I mean, Gonzaga certainly is that way, and Duke uh, We've, there have been household world, words in the world, world of college basketball, something Purdue's trying to get to. And that, that uh, was just absolutely stunning. And, uh, you know, this charge is being led by uh, Brayton Smith. We talked at the beginning of the year. We said, you know, who was the most indispensable player on this team? And I think most people would have said, you know, maybe it is Zach Eady because of his dominance and what he could do. But um, I would argue clearly right now it's the freshman Smith who – I tried to temper my expectations when he came in. You're asking a lot out of a freshman coming into a Big Ten program to, to run the point and everything. And inside a month, all of a sudden, basically, Matt Painter's just kicking back and letting him run things. I mean, I've never seen anything like it before. And the kid was so under-recruited on top of that, it just it blows my mind what he's able to do already. Right. He's been just absolutely stunning, uh, in ter- again, in terms of how he's played and how he's gotten the job done. And I think that that's, uh, that's an interesting, uh, you know, just been an interesting process. I don't know that I still would be hard pressed. Purdue, I agree that Braden Smith has been, uh, been a huge, huge factor. In no way can you minimize it. But I'll tell you, Zach Eady's been, uh, I think Purdue without Zach Eady is, is not elite anymore. Uh, and I think that that's where you've got the job he has done, the way he has played. Now you got to have a guy like Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and David Jenkins Jr. and Ethan Morton down the road to be able to get the ball to him. But Zach Eady is uh, is shown to me that he is uh, capable of taking Purdue to, to you know the Final Four, and uh, so is Braden Smith. But I just think he, he is the difference maker. He's the one Eady that you really cannot stop. Now, uh, I agree that also that Braden Smith did a great job in the last 10 minutes of that game of taking it over, and his moxie is just also just equally, you know, stunning. But it is, it is a uh, it's a great combination if you're Purdue. Uh, you just got players one through ten that you can trust out there, and that has been, uh, you know, going down the line. Uh, it's been an extremely important part, especially in a game like on Wednesday night against Florida State, where Purdue did not play as well for a number of reasons, probably none, no excuses, but to travel, et cetera. And Florida State also has had its back against the ball, a very proud program that uh, took Purdue to the mat. We're talking with Alan Carpet from goldenblack.com here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Alan, usually about this time of the year, that painter starts paring down that bench. It's usually a pretty deep bench early on in the non-conference season, but as soon as we start talking Big Ten, he tends to pare that down a little bit. I don't know that he's going to be doing that, though, this year. The rotation that he's had in here so far, I think, has uh, been very optimal for what this team needs. It's almost like there's a uh, first team and a second team, although it's more like 1 and 1A, one I think, in, in a lot of instances here. Um, do you see any kind of changes with that lineup coming anytime soon, or do you feel like what he's been doing right here, that's going to be locked in, and, and that's what we should expect for the rest of the season? No, I, I think the only one that uh, could could you know is if, if you look at the ten players and he's done an excellent job, Brian Waddell, um, and I just don't see I don't you know Brian Waddell is that's what you like about this team and this and the way that they're doing things and the fact that that yeah, they seem to be content you know you've got a guy as good as Trey Kaufman Wren who could 
at a lot of schools, he, he'd be playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. There are days when he plays nine, or there's days when he'll play 20. And my point is, is that both those guys, and especially Waddell, seems to be relatively content with that three to 10 minute range and contributing. So, and but he does contribute, and I think. Just like with Brandon Newman last year, he was the one that got trimmed, so to speak. But that was based on production. You know, if, one, if somebody quits producing in that group, they're not going to play. But uh, I think you've seen ten guys contribute uh, almost equally uh, to to this uh, machine that is Purdue basketball right now. And, and as long as they keep contributing, my guess is that Matt Painter is going to keep throwing them out there. Uh, and I think he has a unique situation. Matt Painter does to have players that are you know, never content not to play, but they're, they're, they're okay with their roles and realizing that uh, their moment may, may come at, at, at game one, may vary from game one to game two. So that's, that's a great problem to have if you're Purdue, and I think it puts the Boilermakers in very good shape to have a very good season this year. Talking with Alan Karpik from goldenblack.com on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. One of the things that I've been getting a lot on my show, Alan, uh, and I'll get the texts or I'll get tweets about it sometimes, is, and I think Purdue fans are just somewhat conditioned because it's happened in the past, is they're enjoying the November and December success, but then they get worried about January and February and into March that that does not carry through. Um, I, I think this team is a little bit different because you talked about defined roles and, you know, just early on it seems like everybody has settled into those. Everybody likes their role and uh, everybody is contributing in that role. I, I really do think this team just seems to have it. And it, it's something that I, I don't know that the previous five or six years teams have had. They've had talent, they've had uh, uh, success, and they've had some real standout players. But for whatever reason, this team just seems to have, you know, it and that cohesion like I haven't seen in quite some time at Purdue. Well, I do think it that, but I think they've had guys, you know, going back to Vincent Edwards and Dakota Mathias and that group uh, in Isaac Haas, et cetera, pretty, pretty good groups that got together. And I think you might, that, that discussion might be a little bit different to pretty beat St. Peter's last year. I, I understand the narrative was, you know, this team peaked in November and, and never got quite as good. Maybe so, uh, but it also played at a very high level. You know, winning 28, 29 games is nothing to sneeze at. And I think that, you know, that could be a function factor here uh, this year. But you're right. I think the Scott team has got a little bit different. There probably are no, uh, there definitely are no lottery picks in the NBA in this team. But I, I also think, you know, to lay that on at the feet of Jaden Ivey is kind of, kind of uh, a miss, you know, misspeaking just and I'm not saying you're doing that but I'm saying some fans do that well it's just as simple as that well Jaden Ivey also brought Purdue to a very very high level very quickly and, and a very different type of player it's all about adjustment I think Matt Painter has a team that uh, is much more well suited to share the basketball that's a great thing because he's got players that are going to be best in that environment Jaden Ivey had to have the basketball and that's not a criticism of him that's who he is as a player I think that that's a, a factor that needs to be taken into consideration. This is a team that's very balanced, and you have a point guard in Braden Smith that can really do things. And, uh, again, Eric Hunter Jr. was an excellent point guard. Braden Smith uh, just can, can do things just a little bit more, at least he has early on, that I think can take Purdue to a next level. 
Alan Karp, again, goldenblack.com is the website. Uh, great articles. Uh, I love the message boards. And, of course, uh, uh, when they uh, do the radio, too, and uh, everybody gets together and just talks things out, it's it's must-watch stuff. you got to check it out. Alan, I love the site. I love having you on on Fridays. And I just I love talking Purdue ath- athletics with you, man. It's so much fun. Uh, really lucky to have you on the program, as always, on a Friday, buddy. Thank you so much. And uh, enjoy that football game tomorrow, bud. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, tomorrow night. And a reminder, $1, that you can become a member of goldenblack.com since we've moved to the On3 network. And uh, we appreciate the thousands, literally, that have come over. Well, that's been great for us. But thanks for the kind words, and it's always fun to do your show, Jared. Very, not an endorsement. Welcome back to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. We're back over to the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. We're going to bring in one of my very good friends, uh, Nate Barrett, uh, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, who I know thoroughly enjoyed Thanksgiving weekend and uh, what Purdue was not only able to do in the PK-85, but uh, what football did as well. You had you had the best, by the way, um, uh, text message to me after the football game where you mentioned that it dawned on you that Brom got to the Big Ten championship game before Fleck did. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to tweet that. Oh, uh, sorry. It was just such a fun fact. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I, I, everybody well, needed to know that. I'm sorry. You know, after what you told me off air about some of the Michigan fans, I, I didn't want any Minnesota fans coming after me. About <laughs> I'm like, he's going to have me all teed up with these Minnesota fans. I'm ruining, I'm ruining deals for you. I'm sorry, man. I'm putting, it out the, I'm putting it out in the uh, putting it out in the streets there. But that was a, that was a great point. Um, I also got another great point today I saw. Um, cause, uh, Sam King was in the, uh, USA Today, his article on Charlie Jones was in the USA Today, uh, yesterday. And, uh, somebody pointed out that Charlie Jones is going to be in his second Big Ten championship game, and he's never won a Purdue-Iowa matchup. He's never gotten a W in that rivalry. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That makes all the sense in the world to me. It's, no, it's funny. But at the same time, just an amazing weekend. You're an alumnus. You've worked in, in, in that sports department over there. Uh, you, I guarantee you've never seen a weekend like that, have you? Oh, not at one weekend. You know, I was there for the Rose Bowl run in 2000. I was, I was right there in the SID office as a student intern, and and it was amazing. And you know, all of this has been totally different, totally different feel because you, you know, in 2000 you went in and you knew from you know the previous couple of years with Drew that it was going to be a you know, a Heisman Trophy potential level season, and you knew we had an incredible offensive line, and you knew we had some, some veteran guys at tight end, and and defensively you were in a good spot. So, you know, you knew all that. This year, I think there were a lot of more a lot more questions for Purdue fans. Um, you know, and then you had the big opener, and then the tough loss there in the opener to Penn State, and then you know you had some of the like the Syracuse loss it still stings everybody. But Jeff Brom's teams have had this knack, you know, for winning some games they're not supposed to win or questionable. They've been really good. I think we brought it up in the broadcast booth. In Bloomington, like, Purdue has won, you know, like seven of their last nine Big Ten road games. But, when, you know, Coach Katie always talks about that in basketball in the Big Ten. you got to win your home games, but you got to try to win more than your share on the road if you're going to be a Big Ten champion. And, uh, you know, Purdue, by doing taking care of business on the road in many ways, uh, has really set themselves into this position. And then I thought Indiana still had a good game plan early until uh, Dexter Williams went down, and, and that certainly changed things for them. But the second half, Aiden O'Connell uh, looked a lot sharper. 
and uh, you know Purdue gets a W, and, and they you know they deserve this opportunity as much as anybody. The West, as you know, Jared, has been so crazy. You know, and into the last weekend, you know Illinois still had an outside shot at things too. If Purdue and Iowa had both lost, so it's a great opportunity. You know, you get varying opinions on this whole matter. I think, I think before you know before Friday or going into the last weekend, everybody thought you'd be it'd be Ohio State and. You know, Purdue fans are rightfully nervous about this, but I think there's a feeling that, especially after watching uh, Illinois go up there to the big house and, and really compete well and have a chance, that, you know what, uh, you know, it's Jeff Brom, national TV. Uh, Jeff is not interested in, uh, you know, having this uh, be a game that they don't think they can win because he's won his last three against top five teams. It's a, you know, a neutral field and, uh, you know, the pressure's on Michigan. They're trying to get to the national championship. So uh, I think Purdue's playing with some house money there on the football side, and it should be great. Now, pivoting back to basketball, uh, unbelievable performance out in Portland, you know, three, you know, on the other end of the coast and a couple time zones away. And, and just to do what they did with Gonzaga to, you know, I think uh, Elliot Bloom opened up the radio show with Rob Blackman saying, if you'd have told me that we'd have uh, you know, bigger margins uh, against Gonzaga in Duke, or if we don't, you know, won those in some ways, uh, you know, it wouldn't be as tight as the West Virginia game. I don't think anybody would have believed that. Or so I think he said you could have made some money uh, in Vegas with that kind of prediction. But Heck yet yeah. Purdue, yet Purdue, Purdue does just that and uh, looks great doing it. And I think it's it's exciting to Purdue fans because there were times last year where. Uh, the traditional Purdue fan didn't always like how we played, and that's just that's just being blunt about it. They just didn't always like how we played, and even Brian Newbert talked a lot about Purdue never valued possessions last year the way that uh, a traditional Purdue team, a Matt Painter team, has valued possessions and not turned it over. So, you know, you you look at this team and the young guards, and then that's the more shocking factor is everybody knew, you know, the way things worked out in the portal that you know you'd have lawyer and you'd have Braden Smith starting it looked like but who knew that they could be this good this fast and when you couple that you know with what you have with Edie and the other guys that are stepping up and playing well for Purdue and just the way they're playing together uh it's it's amazing and then you have the other night Purdue has travel delays you know you television is running the world and so you have a very tough turn coming out of Portland and going into Tallahassee and then with the flight delays, Purdue gets in there past 2 a.m. Uh, and then has to play a game and, and be ready to go against the Florida State team that even though their record's bad, you know that Leonard Hamilton's you know going to try to seize the moment to turn his season around and bring the gas against you. And they did just that. You know They play you even in the first half, basically. And then uh, Purdue's able to get that late advantage. Purdue's depth you know, helps them pull away and get that victory. But now... Yeah, they went into Portland, as you know, Jared, the 24th. They come out of there ranked fifth. They do defend that fifth ranking on the, on the, the uh, Tallahassee floor against the Seminoles the other night. And then all of a sudden, bam, here we are, the start of Big Ten play on Sunday. Yeah, and you take a look at the rest of the schedule through the month, Nate, and uh, I, I just, I'm going, where, where's the, where, where are you going to get pushed at? That that does make me a little bit nervous. I, I don't like to sit back on some of the softies for a while here. You know, no disrespect, but I mean, come on. Minnesota is at the bottom of the Big Ten. Nebraska is right there with them. 
Um, you know, Davidson, they had that ranking for a while. Now they've, they've fallen off here. Um, it's not like Florida A&M and New Orleans are going to bring a whole lot of juice against you. Uh, I mean, it's almost cruise control between now and when you get into January, and then all of a sudden you got to go out to Columbus. Well, yeah, you, you, you do have that, uh, that January 5th uh, date in Columbus, uh, I think, circled, certainly. Uh, but, you know, you got to play these games, and, and you need to play well. And, and Matt Painter would tell you that there's plenty. Plenty for the Boilermakers to to work on, uh, you know, and and being where they want to be. And you know, the other end of the Big Ten is, you know, you just Rutgers has proved it over the years. And I mean, the, these guys are trying to get their program going. And uh, in terms of Minnesota and Nebraska, you know, Fred Hoiberg desperately needs to, you know, to get some signature wins going for them. So. You know, you can't ever sleep on anybody in your league. I think Matt would tell you that that's a, a very dangerous thought, whether players would admit that they're doing that or not. So he won't let them, and the coaching staff won't let them do that um, because a, a Big Ten a Big Ten road win in Mackey for one of these teams could, could just completely flip their season around. So you've got to watch for that. But mainly, you know, you just want to keep everybody healthy, and, and I'm sure – keep working on those little stats that Matt watches that, you know, that none of us do as much, just those little hustle stats, uh, value in the possessions. They can work on their free throw game uh, during this time and, uh, you know, just continue to try to hone their offense, run better offense. And and Matt always talks about players need games. They just need more games, Jared, because you might learn something in the, the Hofstra game that, that you're able to use the entire rest of the season. And so, you know, the other thing is these games, coaches are looking for consistency at play. And, uh, you know, they're going to want to be uh, ramping up their consistency all the way heading into to Christmas as they get, uh, you know, through that New Orleans game. So uh, the, these games are they're scheduled. You, you're going to play them. Uh, some of them aren't going to improve your net ranking very much, but, it's, but losing them sure would hurt your net ranking. And so I, I, I would look for Purdue based on the consistency we've seen so far. You know, they have a real opportunity here, Jared, to, to get through this next stretch and, you know, maybe be 12, 13 and 0 ball club heading into deeper into Big Ten play. Uh, we're talking with Nate Barrett here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, we spend so much time talking about, you know, how great Zach Eady's been, and rightfully so, how great Braden Smith has been, rightfully so, Fletcher Lawyer. I, I take a look at the second unit and, um, I'm blown away just how consistent and how sturdy Caleb First continues to be. But also, too, credit Matt Painter for going out there and, and getting David Jenkins Jr. Because he has been, boy, with the ball, I, I feel confident with him uh, taking care of the point when he comes in here. And I take a look at what's going on with old Moneybags Nigel Pack down there in Miami, and I look around and I say, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was a bargain right here. We had to fork over. You didn't have to get a car out for this guy. Um, and, and we're getting better production, I think. Well, the, the other night, what was floating around Twitter were uh, were Pac's stats, right? Like over five from the field or something. You know, uh, and uh, Purdue fans were kind of crowing about that. You're right, David Jenkins Jr. Who, if I'm, uh, did I hear Rob say on the radio the other night? Uh, that he's almost scored like 1,900 points in his college career. Is that right? I mean, it sounds Something like, like that. He, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a couple stops, but I mean, in 11 minutes, you know, he uh, he gets you. Uh, he you know he doesn't get you a lot of points, but his presence is felt out there. 
and uh, you know you're good, you just need those veteran guard minutes. You've got to give your guys a break, and so it's great to have him. You know, Waddell's still getting some time for Purdue, and then you know I think Trey Kaufman Randall keep you know improving. He got four the other night, but you know Caleb first is right there, almost 15 minutes for Caleb, and you know he gets seven points, and you know he's uh, uh, positive 11 on his plus minus, and so. He's uh, he's you know a guy that's gonna I think a lot of folks feel will leave here as one of the uh, best players of his of his time here at Purdue and then Ethan Morton you know you're seeing a healthy Ethan Morton this year he gets almost 30 minutes and you know the the stats might not dazzle you but man he just does a lot of good things out there for Purdue but it's amazing when you look at you know Edie Lawyer and Braden Smith. You know, a lawyer just a hair under 30 minutes, but the other two guys over 33 minutes apiece. You know, and Mason Gillis gets 22 minutes, almost 23 minutes. So, you know, it's uh, the scoring punch is coming from Edie Lawyer and and, uh, and Braden Smith, but then you're get you're getting work from First and Gillis as well to support you. And you know, I think you're, you're seeing Matt, you know, work what'll be a, a, a formidable lineup for Purdue. And uh, you know, Zach's going to have a chance to be one of the you know top you know first team all american because uh no one knows how to deal with it i'll tell you what i like how you brought up uh, ethan morton there too you you just think all of us western pa boys just play football but i'll tell you what we got we got some skills on the basketball court too yeah he just you know there there's guys that you know they they fill the right role for you and uh you know matt trust him and and you know he just you know he just does a lot of good things for you, and good things happen when he when he's out there for your ball club. So, you know he's a huge part of it. You know Fletcher Lawyer, no turnovers. You know for Fletcher the other night, uh, uh, in in all of his minutes. You know, think about that. Lawyer's out there for just a hair under thirty minutes, Jared, and he has no turnovers. He gives you four assists and eleven points as a freshman, and a plus minus of seven. Uh, I mean, that's going to work. Nate Barrett, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, and he does not have to press hard down on that artery to feel it right now, that's for sure, as it heads into a uh, big weekend here starting tomorrow, and then uh, Big Ten play for basketball out there on Sunday against Minnesota. Terry Dissinger bobblehead night, too. I know Nate's going to be first in line to get one of those bad boys as well. <laughs> I know you, know? buddy. Hey, it's you and Trent Johnson with your bobbleheads. I know how it goes. You need we love them. We yeah, love them. Love them. Nate, hey, it's always a pleasure talking hoops with you, my friend. Boiler up, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Boiler up. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. All right, so we bring Jeff Julek back in here, and uh, now is the time we like to, on the show, Jeff, uh, go ahead and go through the Big Ten schedule and just kind of see what we got going on here, what's going to be happening uh, over the next uh, what week or so here in the Big Ten. Uh, as it now stands in the Big Ten, uh, we got a few undefeated teams right now. It's not looking too bad. It's, uh, of course, headlined by your uh, Purdue Boilermakers at 7-0. Also at 7-0, the Indiana Hoosiers and uh, the Maryland Terrapins undefeated yeah, as yeah. well. It looks like the cream of the crop has risen. Uh, those three teams obviously look like the best teams in the conference, and uh, they're certainly proven it so far with their undefeated starts. I think Indiana deserves some praise for that uh, win against North Carolina. Uh, but I'll tell you this, they're seven and eight, Purdue and Indiana in Ken Palm. And you can look at their adjusted offense, uh, six versus 13, defense, 25 versus 11. So it's right there. The, the thing that kills me is it's the strength of schedule, Jeff. 
And Purdue in some rare air here, okay? Their opponent's offensive ranking, 21st. 32nd, the opponent's defensive ranking. That puts them adjusted in 18th. All right, the rest of the top 10, the lowest is 95, and that is Virginia in the uh, in the adjusted opponents thing. Indiana themselves, their opponents adjusted uh, offense ranking, 297. The defense, 354. Not anywhere in the ballpark here, and you're getting something very similar for Maryland here. If you look at the underlying metrics there on their opponents, you might think that these guys are rife for an upset. But, you know, offensively 17th, defensively 33rd, I will give the Terrapins that. You still have to go out there, and uh, you have to uh, take care of business. We'll know on we'll know a little bit more about them tonight when they take on Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a big, big game tonight, and uh you know, so far, uh, you could argue that uh, Maryland certainly looks like one of the best teams in the country. I wonder if Illinois is going to be chucking up 39 uh, three-pointers uh, tonight like they did against uh, that zone defense of Syracuse. Did you watch any of that game, Jeff, by the I way? I did watch that game, and it was a very close game till a couple technicals broke that game loose, and uh, and uh, Bayheim lost his mind, and it was... Uh, you know, they were just, as you say, they were just shooting three-pointers, uh, trying to hit the, the outside shots, and uh, and uh, it ultimately won it for them. But, boy, I tell you what, uh, the Illini, I didn't think looked all that great. I'll tell you, I, it, I watched that game, and I was like, Matt Painter needs to teach him a 2-3 zone for this game because clearly they can't do a dang-on <laughs> thing in it. They were terrible settling for all those outside. Even when they got it into, like, the free-throw line, which, you know, you want that little area, that buffer area there to, to make the defense move, nobody would collapse on those shooters, and then they would either get too scared to shoot that shot or then they would just kick it right back out for no reason. Uh, they just look completely unprepared for that, and it's Syracuse for Pete's sakes. You'd think they would have been practicing that all week. But the, but the Illini are still ranked 16th, and uh, they're at 6-1. and one. The Hawkeyes at 6-1. and one. Nittany Lions at 6-2. and two. Maybe the early surprise in the Big Ten, just how well they're playing. But we've discussed them before, Jeff. A veteran group uh, that uh, knows what they're doing and a uh, coaching staff that knows what they're doing there, uh, led by Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, looking looking pretty solid at six and two so far. Yeah, they have. They've had some uh, you know some good play, and he's got a nice roster put together. We knew he'd do a great job with that program, and uh, so far so good. The Wolverines have looked shaky at times. They sit at five and two. Northwestern, who is now dead to me after giving up I don't know how many points against Pitt. Oh my god, they, they were like ninth to Ken Palm adjusted defense. Uh, Northwestern yeah, was and, against, uh, against uh, Auburn too. And, and Pitt's like in the three hundreds. It's like, what are uh, you doing? There's yeah, no way you should be able to laugh. And at home, oh, it was oh, that was a mind-numbing game to watch. Uh, your Buckeyes at twenty-five sit at five and two as well. Tough one for them drawing Duke on the road, but somebody yeah, had to be that sacrificial. That, uh, yeah, beat down, so yeah, somebody had to be the sacrificial lamb. Sorry, guys. Uh, Rutgers also at five and two. Wisconsin at five and two. Michigan State. I just. Again, the earlier you play Michigan State, the better. They're at five and three. Nebraska at five and three, and then the Golden Gophers at the bottom of the list. There at four and three tonight. Big Ten action is back. Illinois, 16th ranked team in the country, at Maryland, nine o'clock. That game late on BTN should be a dandy, though. Yeah, it should be. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing that game tonight and seeing how the Illini respond to uh, their win over Syracuse. Uh, Saturday, you got some warm-ups here before the Big Ten Championship game. St. Francis of Pennsylvania at Ohio State. That should help out the Buckeyes. 
10th ranked Indiana will travel to Rutgers. That's right. Jersey Mike's Arena on a Saturday. Good luck with that. 4 o'clock on BTN. And then Wisconsin's going to take on what looks to be a really good Marquette team all of a sudden, Jeff. Exactly. That's good to go down as a quality win for the Boilermakers because of what they did to Baylor the other night. So, uh, yeah, and I tell you what, that Indiana Rutgers game is going to be intriguing because they uh, the Hoosiers lost that game to the Rutgers last year, and uh, Rutgers has the size inside that can give uh, them fit, not to mention that uh, Feichel's just a great defensive coach. And you're coming off the high of a national televised game beating uh, UNC may be right for an upset here. We'll see. Sunday, Michigan will take on Kentucky in London. Yes, why go play someplace in the Midwest when you can fly all the way to London in the O2 <laughs> Arena? Bono here, uh, they're all going to go out there and uh, play 1 o'clock on ABC. Have fun with that. Nebraska at number 7 Creighton in Omaha. Uh, they'll take on... Uh, a really, really good team there, Minnesota and Purdue on Sunday, 5 o'clock. And uh, it's Terry Dissinger bobblehead night over at Mackey Arena. And then Northwestern and Michigan State, which I'll be honest, I just do not have a bearing on whatsoever what's going to happen. But it is in Breslin, yeah, so I, sure. I expect Michigan State to go ahead and take care of business in that one. Yep. <laughs> no analysis, just a yep. That's about That's right. Absolutely true. No sure. Big Ten action on Monday, but it does pick up again on Tuesday, where Illinois takes on second-ranked Texas MSG, 7 o'clock on ESPN, Maryland, and Wisconsin up at the Kohl Center at 9 o'clock, Iowa at Duke at 9.30 at MSG. Boy, uh, you're going to be staying up yeah. late for a couple of good matchups. Great doubleheader there between Illinois and Texas and then Iowa and uh, Duke, so that'll be two fun games to watch. There you go. Wednesday, that takes us out to Michigan State at Penn State at Bryce Jordan, Hofstra, and Purdue. Elf Knight, uh for Purdue, 7 o'clock in Mackey Arena. And then Nebraska will head to uh, Assembly Hall in Bloomington Take on the Hoosiers at eight thirty. Uh, now let me ask you: Do you prefer syrup on your spaghetti? Uh, I I've been trying to cut back lately. If we're being <laughs> honest here, uh, by the way, of note here that seven o'clock start at uh, Mac Arena, no television. You got to watch that on BTN Plus. Oh no! Yes, unfortunately, oh, you cotton headed niggy muggins. Uh, and then Thursday, it's Rutgers at Ohio State, Iowa State, and Iowa. And Michigan at Minnesota. That is a great night to be watching Thursday night football, I think. <sighs> Just throwing yeah. that one out there, there, Jeff. So that is the uh, Big Ten for the upcoming week. And what you know, that's going to about do it for our show here today. I uh, want to thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a great week of Boilermaker basketball. Looking to extend that into Sunday. We'll be back again next week here, 4 o'clock, right after the Hammer Down show. Spending a whole hour talking nothing but Boilermaker and Big Ten Hoops for you here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer.